Hello and welcome to Red Shirts. I'm your host, Jake Donaldson, and I'm, as ever, joined by my co-hosts, Maddie Alexander Roshenko Churchhouse and Nathan Alexander the Meerkat Thomas. <laughs> Without further ado, let's engage. I thought you were going to be there like Alexander the Great, Maddie, and <laughs> but no. You're but no. still, I actually quite like Alexander the Meerkat. Alexander uh, Orlov. Well, uh, that, that, that Meerkat does not meet with Russian approval. I can tell you that much. <laughs> does he not? <laughs> no. It's like, this, is, this is terrible. They're not, they're not like, like everything, according to Anna, that that Meerkat does is wrong. Uh, from a perspective of being ethnically Russian, especially his accent. Um. Oh, no. But that's like my only, that's my only link to Russian culture. Like, I don't know anything about Russia apart from that meerkat. It's like that and the Fox Anastasia movie. That's all I've got. Ah, well. Um, also, does not meet with Russian approval. Or it doesn't meet with Anna's approval as the historian. I tell you what does meet with Russian approval, though. Jake's vodka joke that he, he tweeted out today. Thank ah, you very much. Very Thank nice. you very much to uh, the Russian uh, people for appro- for approving of my joke. Uh, I, I feel like I should probably tell it for the for listeners who for all of all of the two listeners to this podcast who don't also follow me on social media. <laughs> um, <laughs> my joke was uh, vodka corrupts. Absolute vodka corrupts absolutely. <laughs> Which I am very proud of. That was actually really good. <laughs> I think that's the first actual joke I've written. Uh, I was going to say since lockdown, but I think I'll just end it after the word written. <laughs> <laughs> Ever. <laughs> so we're, we're here to talk about... We're here this week to talk about a an absolute steaming pile of shit. Um, <laughs> Oh my god! You know at the beginning. You know in that's what in uh, Tom Paris's actor actually called it, though. <gasps> uh, Did he on, really? Uh, I don't know if it. So yeah. Oh no! Tom Paris's actor said, "Quote at a fan convention. This was um, if you watch this in a different state of mind, by which I mean stoned, um, then you will <laughs> appreciate the episode." And then on the DVD commentary. I don't know if it was the director or the producer said, oh, now we're watching an absolute stinking pile of shit, basically. (laughs) Like, I think he might have got absolute stinker. Like, no one involved in this episode likes it. Um. (laughs) You know, like, in that film Cats and Dogs, where Mr. Tinkles, the cat, is like, you have no one to blame but yourselves. Well, I'm the person that suggested that we watch this episode, and I literally want to kill myself. So. Yeah, I'm glad you said it, because now I can be smug and say I told you so. Because when we have Why an episode that is almost certainly going to be cut out of the last episode, but last episode, between between takes, we had a discussion about what to, uh, what to listen to. And these guys were very enthused about this episode, and I was not. And I was like, are you look, sure? Look, are you okay. sure? Okay, I'm outvoted. Fine. I saw... 
I saw on the internet that it was the 25th anniversary of Threshold and Voyager fans on the internet were having a Threshold day and everyone was reposting lizard memes and it looked very funny and wacky, okay? Right, okay, I did not realise I was going to have to, like, delete four or five formative childhood memories just to make the main brain space to process this utter nonsense. Well, like, well, if you haven't already guessed, listeners, we're talking about the episode from season two of Voyager uh, called Threshold, which is the episode where Tom Barris turns into a lizard. And, and it oh must I can't, be, it must be I can't the, even say it without laughing. It, it, so it must be the episode that wins the award for title said the most times in the dialogue. Because it's like, you're approaching the threshold. When you get to the threshold, Tom, we're he's crossed the, the threshold. threshold. I am reaching the warp 10 threshold. Like, it, it's just like... The, the, they like that word. Like, they're like, oh, that'd make a good episode title. In fact, I really like that word. That's my favourite word. Let's just pepper it through the script for no reason. <laughs> it's, it's like one person has done... You know that thing where you go and see a film and then they say the name of the film in the dialogue and you go, ooh, they said the name of the film. It's You know, like, if John McClane was to say, like, it's a good day to die hard. And you're like, ooh, he said die hard. Oh, yes, best thing. It's like someone experienced that and thought, why don't we do that 52 times? <laughs> But look, before we get too far into it, uh, Nathan, do you want to explain the plot to the Kafkaesque masterpiece that is Threshold? <laughs> oh God! Yes, I will. Um, I will begin an explanation. <laughs> so, we start with Tom Paris conducting experiments with transwarp, an idea of breaking the warp ten barrier. Uh, the Shuttle breaks up and explodes, and we discover that Tom was actually in the hollow suite with an unimpressed Balana and Ensign Kim. Kim, Paris, and Balana, after the opening credits, are in the mess discussing the problems they are overcoming. Neelix decides to help and uh, is annoyed that they don't trust him and think he's stupid. In theory, what they are trying to do is achieve warp 10. This is where you achieve infinite velocity and occupy all known space at once. Neelix uh, talks about the time he lost the nacelle and some science words are said. Kim and Paris have a breakthrough. Uh, Neelix steals one of Balana's biscuits. Uh, the uh, <laughs> It's just such a funny it's an interaction. It's plot point, is it? <laughs> it's more interesting than a lot of what happens. Um, the, that is true. <laughs> the breakthrough works and the simulation is shown to Janeway who, improve, who approves a test fight. Uh, Janeway visits uh, Tom Paris in his quarters and uh, Janeway has come to inform Paris that Harry, Harry Kim should make this test flight because there's a 2% chance that uh, Paris will have a brain hemorrhage. Bar Paris basically does have a brain hemorrhage <laughs> over the glory anyway and Janeway lets him make the flight. This seems like a pointless scene. Um, <laughs> that was a note I said before I'd watched the entire episode and I feel vindicated by it. Um, <laughs> Later on, everyone is preparing for the shuttle flight. The shuttle increases speed and transwarp drive is engaged. Paris uh, hits a stable warp 10 and Paris's voice is distorted and Voyager loses him. The shuttle appears near the ship with weak life signs and Tom Paris's um, failing. Uh, they are Tom Paris's and uh, he seems to be asleep um, when he is uh, brought into sickbay. So the uh, doctor wakes him up. By shouting, wake up, Lieutenant, at him. In one of the <laughs> single funniest moments in all of Star Trek. Uh, <laughs> it seems that uh, Paris was somewhat overwhelmed. Uh, the shuttle is fine, and the sensors confirm um, it happened. 
analyzing the shuttle data, it seems that it's all just a matter of navigation. You just need to choose the point to come out of infinite velocity, and then you will be there. Bologna and uh, Paris are in the mess, um, but Paris is somewhat off. They uh, need to, to duplicate the shuttle's effects. Yeah, Paris agrees, and then he collapses. He seems very ill and struggling. Uh, when we get him to sickbay, Paris's biochemistry is changing, and he soon becomes unable to breathe oxygen. So the doctor has to change the makeup of things to keep Paris alive. He needs to know everything and quick. Uh, Paris looks god-awful, and the doctor informs him that he's too stubborn to die. The doctor tries some medical stuff while Paris talks about his sex life. It's all very weird and slightly off. Uh, Paris <laughs> dies, and the doctor doesn't think there's anything to do. Uh, then, shortly afterwards, the Doctor is in sigbay, and he realises that not only is Paris alive again, he has two hearts. Um, meanwhile, the Starfleet security officer is sending data to the Kazon on this information. Again, another random scene that you would think is important, but never really comes back. <laughs> uh, and given the shame about this episode, I'm going to assume it doesn't come back again in the series. Um, the Doctor explains that the DNA of Tom Paris is mutating, and yet he still recognises everything. Janeway wants to speak with him. Tom believes the mutations might be good for him, and he doesn't want to change anything back. Paris is uh, being strange and mouthy. He then removes his own tongue, and that's gross as fuck. Um, <laughs> somehow, Paris is able to talk. It's urgent, apparently, and Paris demands to be let out. The Doctor explains that firing anti-proton uh, radiation at him will destroy the mutations. Uh, and that's that will solve everything. They only have an hour to get moving. Paris is put into a restraint and shoved into the warp core as part of this process. <laughs> and by now he looks truly awful. Paris breaks out of a restraint and an entirely off-screen phaser fight happens. <laughs> uh, uh, presumably this is to save money. Um, Paris uh, damaged the plasma relays and Janeway is on her way to the bridge when she's ambushed by Paris and kidnapped for some reason. Uh, the bridge to locate Paris, but too late, he gets in a shuttle where the captain Voyager pursues, but the shuttle gets away by going to Transwarp. Uh, Voyager locates the shuttle in three days. The Doctor explains that somehow Paris is evolving and fucking the Doctor fails science as he explains that <laughs> this is the next stage of human evolution, but that's not how evolution works. It's not like a set line. Uh, it wasn't predestined from the date the chimps appeared that, we, that they'd look like us. Anyway, rant over with. Um, on the planet there are two salamander creatures uh, so the away team beams in and stuns the two of them Tuvok identifies the creatures as former humans there are also several salamander babies on the planet Kikote ah! <laughs> does not know how he's going to log this um, the doctor manages to magically restore Janeway and Paris the two of them have an awkward conversation about having had sex they then discuss the achievements of Transwarp and the episode just sort of ends and uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, this is such a stupid fucking idea for a show. <laughs> like, it, it, oh, it's, it's very Star Trek, though. It is very Star Trek. It's very, it's very middle aged Trek. Um, hmm. The my first question is: uh, Is it pronounced nacelle or nacelle? <laughs> That's because... what you want to talk about? That's what stood out for you from this episode? That's the first note that Not I Tom had. Paris's skin peeling off and him fucking Janeway and having lizard babies? <laughs> <laughs> Look, do you, want a, do you want a fun fact? I'm going to send you something on our group chat. But uh, they st um, 
in the 90s, Star Trek started releasing companion action figures with the show, um, and they released an action figure of mutant lizard Tom Paris. <laughs> oh my god! Chad, um, I'll tweet a picture of this for the listeners as well, but uh, it, it's it looks rubbish. I'm kind of <laughs> I'm kind of tempted to start doing some kind of Star Trek model making just to give myself a thing to do while we're in lockdown. The Infinite. Um, I mean, well, yeah, that is God, pretty bad. Speaking of <laughs> speaking of the look of Tom Paris, though, um, and and in a in news that will shock you, this episode won an Emmy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> God, it was for it was for best makeup, but like the Emmys won't give good Star Trek. Like this is just the Emmys trolling Star Trek because <laughs> the the awards historically have not liked sci-fi generally and star yeah. trek has often lost out on awards but often in an effort to concede they've got best special effects or best makeup but yes. like of all the makeup and special effects in all of star trek voyager up to this point they were like no nah, let's give it to that episode that everyone <laughs> thinks is total shit um <laughs> just to really piss everyone off because no one thinks this episode deserves an award but all the Star Trek fans want Star Trek fans want Star Trek to be at least considered for awards. <laughs> well, I mean, it nearly won an award in that uh, screen rant. Uh, they named it the fourth worst episode of Star Trek ever, uh, which I think, only fourth. You know, uh. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what the worst was. Should I? I'm going to have a look uh, and find out what Screen Rant's worst episode of Star Trek is. Uh, worst Star Trek episodes. I just, I actually just don't even know what to say about this episode. I just feel like I need to lie down in a dark room because I've got a migraine coming on. <laughs> I just, everything about it was awful. It was boring. It was stupid. It wasn't fun. There was no, I just, I just don't give a shit about anyone that appeared in the episode. And then it ended in the most uncomfortable and just bizarre and just like, incredibly le- leaves my f- like my skin crawling like when they beam down and the- and like that horrible conversation between Janeway and Tom about them having had lizard babies and then Tom being like oh I don't really remember it but you know oh, I guess I'll I'll apologize and then Janeway gives him this look and is like well May- many females of the species can initiate mating I was like oh my god like I want to vomit. Horny lizard Janeway on Maine. (laughs) I just... What the... Why couldn't they just let him die? (laughs) Why couldn't they just let him die when he went through the transwarp beaming whatever the hell? Just let him die. God, I hate him so much. Why did I pick a Tom Paris episode? What is wrong with me? I know. What is wrong with you? I'm self-sabotaged in the worst way. I can't cope. Not just a Tom Paris episode, but a Tom Paris wearing a kimono episode. Because I don't know if you noticed this, but in one of the scenes where uh, Janeway goes to talk to him and they have that whole conversation about how he wants to be the one who uh, who flies the shuttle and all this, he's just wearing a kimono. Like, that is really ugly and, like, really unattractive. But he's, he's still... He's not like made any attempt to try and like look more presentable for this for the fucking captain of his ship who's come to speak to him. He's just like, yeah, sure, come in, yeah, like whatever, like Jeremy Jam from fucking Parks and Recreation. Like it's he's the worst. I mean, the the saving grace of this episode 
is that it doesn't have that much Neelix in it. And I we we all know listeners who've listened before will know how much I hate Neelix, and I think he's the worst character in anything ever. Uh, I'd go as far as to say he's worse than Jar Jar Binks. Um, but at least at least he does something in this episode. Like at least it's him. It's his. Re- it, so this is my headcanon, by the way, right? Because Neelix is the one who suggests that uh, the the way to fix the problem that they're having with the uh, with the trans warp thing, uh, and then. It's because of what Neelix says that they work out how to do it, and then that's what Tom pa- means that Tom Paris can go to warp ten and then like nearly die. So my headcanon is that Neelix did that on purpose, and he knew what would happen. And because he, he wanted was... to turn Tom Paris into a lizard, because he, he just wanted want... to kill him. Exactly, off. he wanted to kill Tom Paris. Neelix is promoted to favorite character. <laughs> Neelix is beating the EMH now to be my favorite well, character th- th- in Voyager. A... There's a, a part B to my headcanon, which is that Neelix used to look like a normal human uh, and his transformation <laughs> has happened because he, he's done this in the past and that's how he knows how to do it. And he's like some weird mutated version of a normal human. So why humanoid. do you hate Neelix when Neelix is actually just the ultimate stage of human evolution? He's what you're going to look, become, Jake, that... when you ascend. Oh, if he is the ultimate stage of human evolution, I will kill myself now. <laughs> I'll, I'll fucking jump out of a third story window. Don't worry, gonna... Jake. It's all teleological and it's all leading directly to Neelix. You don't have any control. <laughs> <laughs> it's already been preordained through intelligent design. You're going to become Neelix. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, I just think everyone apart from the EMH who okay yeah I can talk about the EMH because that was actually something that I enjoyed in this yeah. episode yeah because he's sassy AF in this episode he's sassy AF and I think in this episode we really see Tom Paris at his absolute worst which I just think is Tom Paris all the time but you know I can talk about that later but every time Tom Paris says something whiny self-absorbed insecure or just just plain selfish the emh is just like very nice dear now shut the fuck up (laughs) (laughs) like when tom paris is asleep and janeway's like oh can we wake him up (laughs) like nathan mendison the emh just leans down to his ear and is like wake up (laughs) (laughs) and then later on when tom paris is like i saw everything i was in every part of the universe at once blah 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 the emh is like well i'm glad that you had a good time (laughs) moving on I mean, and then when Tom Paris is crying about like, oh, when I was a child, meh, 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 I used to sit in my room and wank myself and cry. <laughs> the EMH is like, I'll note that in your medical record. <laughs> I mean, Tom Paris, like, I was like, they always said Tom Paris would do something important of like you entitled git. Of course your parents. He's... That explains so much about you that your parents told you that. <laughs> he is like the worst combination of like entitled and yet simultaneously entitled and deeply insecure, wrapped up in a nice big package of toxic masculinity bravado in order to hide his crippling like self like yeah, feelings of self doubt really and lacking uh, in worthiness. I really dislike he's, the fact he's just pathetic. I really dislike the fact that they couldn't use Locarno, who is the character played by the same actor in a TNG episode, who is this cadet that gets like discredited because he's a much more interesting and honest depiction of those same characteristics. You know, like, you know what I mean? As in, he still has the flaws, but the character and the writers seem to know they are flaws by the end Mm -hmm. of that episode. 
So so you could do so many more interesting episodes of Star Trek of him working through all of yeah. that. But like, you know, because uh, and that proves to me that Tom Paris's actor is probably quite good because his performance in that episode of TNG that character appears in is 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 quite well acted. Um, but yeah, that's just a, a side point. Um, I mean, I, he's I, so he's so entitled. Like when yeah. Janeway comes into his cabin and explains that she wants Kim to do the first, you know, threshold flight, and I'm like, yes, finally give Kim something to do to like, you know, <laughs> get the commendation he deserves. Tom literally throws a tantrum like, it's my flight, it's my flight. Me, 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 me. I'm like, <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? It's your flight. It's not anyone's flight. You're part of a team. This is also, not the Tom Paris also, show. Can like... you imagine if you were like a NASA astronaut and then you got bumped <laughs> off your shuttle flight? Do you think if you were like, it's my flight? Do you think they'd put you on the next flight? No, they'd kick you out of the fucking program. He's just awful. Yeah, and how much would a better episode would this be if we scrapped off all the evolution shit? It was all about them trying to make it work. And like, you, the first half of the episode was like Tom burning the midnight oil, like not giving up when the other two kind of did. Him really, yeah. this like really, and, and giving him a motivation that is more to do with getting like. So the way this is again, Nathan takes the director's seat episode, uh, <laughs> but um, the way I do it is opening scene would be pretty much as is, but shortly after Tom gets some kind of call that says some kind of relative or someone important back on Earth is is in danger of dying. I don't know if they've got the communication working yet, but like there's some reason that. Paris kind of realizes what really makes him want to miss home and he starts like pushing himself and pushing himself and then he makes the breakthrough but because of that he puts some kind of strain on his body that when he undergoes the medical tests um like they they realize Paris can't do it and then they discuss you know the the process of humility and putting aside something you're emotionally invested in for the good of the group and and training you ha- you know you have him teach Kim how to do the flight and stuff and then because it has to be Voyager the flight would have to fail in some way and and but but that would like exploring that relationship and the difficulties of you know giving control over your project even though when you know it's the right thing to do much better episode than this bullshit. <laughs> like, yeah. there's so many random sh- bits of shit in this episode that I only realised as I read through my complete plot summary. Like that, se- like that scene when he pulls the tantrum. Given it doesn't change anything about the narrative, all it serves to do <laughs> is make me lose respect for both Janeway and Paris. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, and then there's that Star Trek-like security guy who you see vaguely kind of like being like, nah, in mm. earlier scenes. And then he's like sending stuff to the Kazon, but... We know the Kazon aren't gonna like use this technology or do anything, like you know. And then like the whole lizard thing is like the the total the whole salamander conversion fucking is um, is is pointless as well because all that amounts to is you see two of them they get stunned next scene they're fucking human again. Yeah, it's, like, I mean it is it's it's classic it's a classic Star Trek issue where the the episodes aren't long enough. And they, especially middle aged Trek, when they don't want to do big series arcs in the same way they do in New Trek, where 
Yeah. There's there's too much build up, and then they have to make everything okay again for the next episode. It has to all reset by the end, so there has to be just a really Deus Ex Machina kind of ending to the show where everything's reset, like in like a sitcom or something. Um, and it doesn't. It's not good. I mean, like that uh, that scene where um, where Janeway and uh, Tom Paris are having the conversation and, and you lose respect for both of them. Like, this goes to why... Th- I think this this is sort of part of the reason why I think he comes across as being so entitled. Like, not only is he sat there being like, it's my flight, I want to do the flight. And, like, by the way, you know for a fact that, like, he... Tom Paris definitely didn't have, like, siblings growing up. Like, he's he's, <laughs> he's such a fucking only, only child, child, right? Yeah. Um, like and I, you know, I'm pretty sure like his mum was having affairs all the time because it seems like that kind of thing. Like he's got huge daddy issues, which he yeah, like totally. pretty much like points out in this episode. I, yeah, yeah. And anyway, sorry, say, carry on. But he says that thing where he's like, oh, "I always knew that I was, I always felt I like was, I was going to go on to do something special. great." Uh, yeah, People I was told, told me that I was special. Yeah, and he's like, he's like everyone at school used to say, "Oh, Tom Paris, he's going to go on to do something really important." And I guess they were wrong. I guess I haven't done that. And you're like, "Fuck off, mate! You're a fucking Starfleet lieutenant. You've done loads better than everyone else in your fucking class, mate. You're better. I bet half the people in your class at school work in like some shitty, like, you know." They work of... on like a Bezos Corp mining asteroid where yeah, exactly. they're like tethered to the station for 14 all hours. Like, and it's like a fucking postman water. or something like that. Like, no, yeah. no disrespect this is, to this postman. This is one but thing, like, <laughs> like um, yeah, don't be mean to postman. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> like, this is one thing I kind of want to get into, which is an issue. I would say this is an issue in every Star Trek except. Deep Space Nine, because that has civilian and non-Starfleet main Oh, why characters. don't you just go and marry Deep Space Nine, Nathan? <laughs> All right. Maybe because like... it's a, clearly a better show than Voyager. Like, and not. I can I say that Voyager. having seen, like, four episodes of each. Okay, Voyager I'm going to abandon my point now. I want to watch this fight. <laughs> every episode of Voyager that we're watching is getting worse and fucking worse. <laughs> Like That's I am, I am, act, I am actively starting to dislike Voyager. We <laughs> we need to turn this ship around. We need to watch some like Tuvok heavy episodes, real fucking Ooh, fast. I've got the or perfect, I'm going to jump right a, off the Voyager. I've got train. a good Tuvok episode. If you if you want to watch that soon and or next, I've got a yeah, good. Yeah, okay. I've got a good that because I talked about it last week. There's the anniversary episodes, and basically, I don't know what the mechanism is. But it's like Janeway asking Tuvok about his past, and you get to see Tuvok on the Excelsior under Captain Sulu, where Tuvok... Yes. Basically, it's like young Ensign newbie Tuvok not understanding why Captain Sulu piloting the Excelsior during one of the Star Trek films where he, he sends the Excelsior to go help out Jim Kirk against Starfleet's orders, not understanding why he might break orders and, and do all of this and risk all these things, and, like, Tuvok slowly learning how uh, Sulu's command works. It, it, it's apparently a really good episode, and I've wanted an excuse to watch it for ages. <laughs> well, well, maybe we could do a run of episodes where we look at episodes where uh, characters from older series come back into into later series and I've we got do that so many because, ideas for them <laughs> because if we do that we can do Screen Rant's number one worst episode of Star Trek ever which yeah. is these are the voyages from Star Trek Enterprise no no don't make oh. us watch that please don't make oh, us no. watch that which... I've heard 
I've heard legends <laughs> of how bad that episode is. Well, it's it's one of those episodes where like I, I I've watched it once and uh, <laughs> probably because I saw it on this list or something. But like it's it's one of those episodes where like. If it was on in the middle of the series, it would just be a forgettable episode, but it's the series finale. And so it's like, and this it's is got, what you're it's ending Riker. on? And it's it's Riker. the one where Riker comes back, yeah. Yeah, and it's Riker LARPing their final mission. It's so... Yeah. It's, like, I mean, like, let's make it, it, this your series finale about a different uh, character from a different <laughs> series. It's so funny. Um, <laughs> well, we might watch that episode. We can well, I've just watched... I've just watched... Uh, I've been watching random DS9 episodes and there's a DS9 episode where Tom Riker comes back and there's an episode okay. and there's a DS9 episode that I uh, there's two DS9 episodes where Kang, Kor and Koloth come back um, and they're all played <laughs> by the original actors as well as old like old like legendary Klingons and Worf is like is it true you 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 fought against Kirk and you like and Worf is like I'm not sure who I admire more Captain Kirk Cool. <laughs> it's, like, it's so good. Uh, well, we, we'll get of, like, onto those terrible but... episodes that we're already watching. We yes. can just get back to talking about how awful this one yes. is. Yeah. Um, well, I know what you were saying, Nathan, about like improving the episode. I've got some some ways to improve it as well. Like I do think what you'd suggested would have actually made an interesting character it'd be study. A different, it might it explores completely different themes. Yeah, so. but mm. like at least it would have been I don't know interesting is that not like the baseline mark <laughs> for, a, for a television episode yeah watchable yeah. and, and like, middle-aged Trek's strength i think is those personal working relationships certainly tng's exactly. strength comes yeah. from like a lot of like two cast members having different opinions on a thing yeah. that they have to work totally. together on or yeah like, w- but, sorry but Matt, then you in go this and... one they could have if they wanted to go full hard with the lizard shagging right they could have <laughs> at least if they Either they do what you said and they just don't have. Yeah, either they do what you said and they don't have this stupid evolution thing happening at all, or they go full hog on the evolution, right? Literally, the first five minutes of the episode is Tom Paris turns into a lizard, kidnaps Janeway, and they go to Jungle Planet and have lizard babies. It's horrific, but it's also like the most batshit insane (laughs) setup for an episode that anyone's ever seen. And then. Imagine the lizard hijinks that you could then have for the rest of the episode with like salamanders scurrying around the ship, like Tuvok desperately trying to catch yeah. Janeway as she like slivers over the captain's chair. Like and all of the babies, like the EMH has been forced to babysit the baby salamanders in the in like the in the in the hospital babe, like nah, nah, in like a tub, and he's like, Oh god, like trying to drip feed them like milk out of a little tube. Can you imagine like it would have been hilarious? At least they oh, could have actually yeah made it funny instead of just like that, like yeah, I felt like been... I'd been sexually harassed by watching <laughs> this do you know what I mean it was like violating like I mean, yeah I think that would have been at least a fun at least they could have that could have been something where they could stand by it and go yeah we knew what we were making here yeah and we like, like took the piss hard and we did it for 45 minutes it's like trouble with yeah. tribbles but it's just I was just gonna say yeah yeah it, that's like and that's like the kind of episode that uh, lower decks might do now and it, it, yeah. you know it's it's you know it's more feasible to do it and you know there, there are reasons why they might not have wanted to do so like you know to do with uh, the budget for special effects and, and costume and stuff like that but like it would have at least been a, a more interesting episode than this and, and like just on the subject of getting rid of the evolution 
uh, aspect of it. I, I wanted to talk about the science in the episode a bit um, <laughs> because because there's a mentioned. <laughs> yeah there's, there's a mix is. of quite interesting science stuff that they've talked about that is sort of like nearly real, and then some stuff that's just absolute bullshit that they've made up. Right, like um, <laughs> so in um, in the the is it called the physics of Star Trek the the book that Stephen Hawking did the um, the intro to um, they talk about this episode a little bit. Um, because they talk about the uh, the theory of of warp travel and how it's not it's not technically impossible, and so that there is theoretically a way you could travel at warp speed. And they discuss warp ten and uh, and and whatever what do they call it? Um, uh, is it infinite? Velocity, velocity, um, which whenever I say it, I in my head I say it in the voice of Emperor Palpatine, (laughs) (laughs) in the sort of like ultimate power, like do it, uh, do it. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, but but so at least that part of the science is interesting, and like the fact that you know there are there are sort of medical jargony things that the doctor says that are sort of, you know, technically sort of make sense, but I'm like, going to reverse the polarity of the neutron flow. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it reminds me a lot of that really good Dara O'Brien routine about um, the science at the start of one of these disaster movies. I think it might be 2012 or something like that, where there's a scientist who goes, the neutrinos are mutating. <laughs> and it's like, what does that mean? That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> um, it's a really good routine. Um, but there's also a bit where the EMH says um, that after Tom's come back from the uh, from the the, tra- the shuttle thing, but before he's turned into a lizard and gone all Kurt Connors on us, um, he, uh, he the doctor says he has elevated serotonin levels in the hypothalamus. Right. Um, so. Is there some way? This is another headcanon. Is there some way that you could use you you could use warp technology to cure depression? Because that's what <laughs> like increasing serotonin levels is what you do to to uh, help people who have depression and anxiety. So like maybe being turned into a lizard is just a small price to pay to have a healthy and. Uh, mature self-respect for your own personal feelings and space can you imagine like the american pharmaceutical ads for that that would run on like daytime television (laughs) there'd be like a beautiful white family like skipping across a lawn and it'd be like i was suffering with my depression i thought there was no way out and then i started taking lizard gen now i'm a lizard But I'm happy and horny all the time. And then his wife is like putting her arm around him like, our family is back together again. Thank you, Lizard Jen. Like six out of ten counsellors would recommend Lizard Jen. Side effects may include turning into a lizard and having sex with the captain. Lizard babies will be stamped on the foot. You may not sue us. RRP $5,099 per bottle of ten pills. I I really like the idea of this. Um... But yeah, but there is also science in this episode that's absolute bullshit. Like Nathan said, like the the whole idea of the um, of the way that they think that uh, evolution works is absolute nonsense and wouldn't make sense at all. Um, there is actually, and I'm just going to try and find it here. Um, there is a uh, there was a, a a published paper that was submitted to scientific journals by 
some scientist somewhere um, who looked at this episode and then uh, discussed the the science of the mutation of it and whether or not it would actually make sense. And he, he basically came to the conclusion that if, if transwarp be, had become a real thing and Tom Paris had really had this effect on him and he was going to start mutating and turning into a lizard, he would die of cancer much earlier <laughs> than he would get to the point where he becomes a lizard man. So like That would have been a much better episode. Imagine Tom <laughs> yeah, Paris dying Just of a cancer. really bleak episode where yeah. Tom Paris dies of cancer. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, the, the <sighs> difference between, like, ageing and cancer is interesting because it's like... It, you, you age because your cells replicate themselves imperfectly, and as soon as they start mm. replicating themselves perfectly, you get cancer. Like it's yeah, exactly. A, so like a that's it's funny, like the, the like, Hulk should be just the Hulk is basically one massive cancerous tumor. It's just one big green tumor. <laughs> that's sitting amazing. on a wall. <laughs> 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 Big green humor sitting, sitting on, on the wall. And if Bruce Banner should get calm, then there'll be no more tumor on the wall. <laughs> and we're uh, left with no green tumors sitting on the wall. Somewhere I mean, between our be contributions, honest. we've got a good song there. <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest, that, that wall is getting smashed immediately as soon as the Hulk sees it. No, um, we're doing we're doing the thing where we, we, we often do, which is talking about some, some other bullshit because we don't want to talk about the shit Star Trek episode but we do a Star Trek podcast and we've got to talk about the shit Star Trek so I want to talk about something amusing that I noticed and the slimy one said let's mate Let's mate. Then they I, I, had I wanna, lizard babies. Bu, 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 bu. I want to talk and about And one the... fell out. Du, 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 and he slithered <laughs> with a plop into the pool. I want to talk <laughs> about um, the the special effects in this episode. Because we've already discussed they got a makeup Emmy and stuff. And the yeah. effects on um, on Tom Paris, like... They you were can tell, good. You can like, tell the actor and the, and the effects department are taking this bad episode seriously. Like They're yeah. doing the <laughs> best they can to sell that transformation, and I think they do an alright job there. Like, um, I genuinely think with Tom Paris, the actor isn't bad, but he's given a terrible brief. Um, but maybe yeah. I'm being too kind. But I love how they've clearly run out of money for every other sequence that requires special effects. In this episode. <laughs> like, 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 the, like the off-screen face. Yeah, of it's, like, it's like the... <laughs> You hear it. You hear a sound, and then it's like, and then you just see some like phaser effects just come across the screen as a as a representation. Then all the lights go out. Yeah, and in uh, their head, they're like doing that episode of Daredevil where the camera just like pans down a hall, and he goes into a room, and then you hear him like <laughs> kicking the shit out of everyone, and yeah, it's dead like exciting. A big <laughs> yeah, yeah, but in reality, it's just and the other one so being bad. like the other thing I like is. Is uh, when Chakotay is chasing down. Also, why do- this just occurred to me? Why does Paris kidnap Janeway? There's no, there's no logical because he reason. Because weird for it. sexual tension with her for the whole episode. This is why, and I didn't want to name it, but I'm going to have to name it. Okay, why is there a weird sexual tension between Tom Paris and Janeway? What does she see in him? Why does she come into his quarters in the middle of the night to soothe his fragile male ego? Like, why does she stare into his eyes and be like, "You've gained the respect of so many on this ship, Tom," when he's done fuck all. 
Like, what is going on between Paris and Janeway? I don't like it, and it's making me rapidly lose respect for Janeway. <laughs> yeah. Well, Janeway's... Uh, don't worry. Next episode, Janeway will have a completely different personality, as she always does. Um, <laughs> but wow. I, it's fired. true. It's true, Jake. You know it's true. Like, you might say yeah. that the, the, the main character of DS9 is always angry, but at least he has a personality that can be identified. <laughs> um, uh, anyway... The other thing I want to know is that in that scene when Chakotay is chasing him down, the computer is like, 45 seconds to complete structural failure. And all that this is indicated by is like this. <laughs> I'm 45, cam, yeah, this, this, this shake. <laughs> Look, I'm doing it. And then, and then as soon as he's like, all right, drop to warp 9.95, it goes. I love how intense Chakotay looks, right? Yeah. Because unlike everyone else in this goddamn episode, Chakotay actually looks like he's putting his full intensity into this. Because something else that I just found so disappointing about this episode is how lackluster everyone is. Like, imagine if this had happened in Discovery and they'd suddenly cracked the you know, the scientific breakthrough of the millennium. You know, Tilly would have been like jumping up and down. People would have been high-fiving like, oh my goodness, wow, this science discovery. And then imagine if one of them had nearly died. You know, Michael would have been crying in the sick bay. You know, Saru would have had like his head in his hands. But in this, everyone's just like, oh yes, well done, Paris. I will recommend you for a commendation. And then Bilana's like... Is he all right? And like, no one's, no one cares. No one, everyone looks bored. No one is like <laughs> actually showing any emotion. The only person who showed emotion was Chakote with the shaky cam. Okay, yeah. Chakote looked and, like he was unhappy, and I have to give him that respect. There's <laughs> also and, a really memeable part of this episode where uh, Chakote looks over to the side when Harry Kim says something, and uh, and he looks really concerned and goes, "What? And yes, like, that should what? be memeable." <laughs> yeah, that's the reaction. Chakotay that's a reaction gift. Um, I also really like the uh, the like stuns the two salamander, sees the children, and goes, "Well, I don't know how I'm going to log this." <laughs> and two months just like, I look forward which, to reading that report. <laughs> which I there's loads of I've talked about this on the episode on the podcast before, but there's loads of bits in Star Trek where like they don't mean it to, but it, to me it just automatically sounds like the like the intro to a porn film and then they say a line they say a line like that and then I feel like sexy music's gonna go on and one of them's gonna start undressing and then like him saying, Well I don't know how I'm gonna log this and then he's gonna get his cock out and start shagging a salamander. Well, the salamanders <laughs> have already been shagging. That's the worst thing. And then they create create like they commit some sort of horrific violation of the prime directive by leaving this salamander spawn, this like, you know, post futuristic human evolution. Like I don't know why we're apparently you know, evolving back into what we previously were, you know, in like the Cambrian <laughs> explosion <laughs> well, or something. I... But like, what? They just leave them there on that planet? What, to breed? Like, they don't know what they're going to do to the ecosystem of that planet. They can't, they can't do that. Those are Tom Paris's children. And I'm like, <laughs> well... it literally, it literally blows my mind. I do not understand at the end how Tom Paris and Janeway are having this horrible, gross, flirty, messed up conversation about the fact that they've had this salamander spawn. And Janeway's yeah. like, well, I always imagined having children, but I didn't imagine having them with you, Tom Paris. <laughs> and then I'm like, I know. but imagine your babies one... are on that planet, you just left them. You've left your babies behind. Imagine if I went to Aldi and just dumped my twins in the like frozen <laughs> food aisle and walked out and then got a plane to Antigua. 
Imagine like, having a imagine having a one night stand with Janeway. Like it would be there'd be so much awkward conversation the next day. Like she would be like trying to get you to go to coffee and then making weird comments about how it was her who seduced you. Yeah, and like oh but, like, god. I, on the point of the lizard babies, right? I've got two so things to happy. say. One, so in addition to the action figure of mutated Tom Paris, they also released companion action figures of the mutant baby lizards no! that you can get. No. Um, and secondly, I've got a quote here um, from Brannon ba- uh, or Braga, who wrote the episode um, about the the process of the, about the de-evolution idea, right? Um, so he said, uh, "I wrote the episode, uh, and it had some good intentions behind it. Good start." Um, <laughs> It had a good premise, breaking the warp 10 barrier. I don't know where this whole de-evolving into a lizard thing came from. I think I was trying to make a statement about evolution not necessarily being evolving towards higher organisms. That evolution may also be a de-evolution. You know, we kind of take it for granted that evolution means bigger brains, more technology, you know, more refined civilization. When in fact, for all we know, we're evolving back towards a more primordial state. Ultimately, who can predict Yes, I mean, thank you. No scientists, one can predict, they Because could that is the it. most unscientific description of evolution I've ever heard. Evolution is not a predetermined path upon which we are going. <laughs> it is a random, infinite... There's no such thing as de-evolution. Yeah. De-evolution is not a thing. Well, yeah, because the whole but, point of evolution is that you have to... The only way a, 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 a mutation can continue to become a, an evolved characteristic of a, a population is by that mutation being advantageous to that population so like anything yeah, but de- you can't like, de-evolve because th- yeah. th- that would defeat the whole point of how it but, works but That's also you... like evolution isn't necessarily always beneficial to the organism but it's more the fact that the phrase devolution kind of like it that presupposes that there's some sort of preordained trajectory yeah. or, or timeline of evolution but that's not how evolution works it's like a random series of circumstances there's like an infinite branching tree that we could be going along at any point it's not like a one-way track and either we're going along it quickly or slowly or we're moving backwards along a track it's a constant branching of just yeah you know exactly. random mutations some of which are helpful and some are not and some just end up with like junk dna <laughs> that we're just going to have to carry for the next four million years you know i am um... I also wanted to just say that uh, at the end of that quote, um, Brown and Braga also says, I was trying something. It was my homage, I guess, to David Cronenberg's The Fly. And that is oh, ups- that has no. upset me entirely because that is an excellent film. Uh, David Cronenberg is brilliant. And uh, like the idea that he considers this episode anywhere near the same quality level. I don't or... think he does, though. Like... <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't think he does either because uh, he, he's also quoted as saying that this is a steaming pile of garbage. So... What, about his own episode? Yeah. Um, wow. He says, after he said... the fact, though. Like he, he, he says, it's very much a classic Star Trek story, but in the rewrite process, I took out the explanation, the idea behind the ending, that we evolve into these little lizards, because maybe evolution is not always progressive. Maybe it's a cycle when we revert to something more rudimentary. That whole conversation was taken out for various reasons, and that was a disaster, because without it, the episode doesn't even have a point. 
Yeah, okay, so first of all, I can say, I think we can all agree, and so can this Brad Bronen whatever the hell, that <laughs> this episode would have been infinitely improved by the addition of Jeff Goldblum. Just imagine yeah. if he had just, like, been here. Been, I mean, like, everything is made better like, by the inclusion of Jeff Goldblum. I like, used to have uh, a frame... Well, I, uh, I'm just, uh, I was just uh, going to sick bay, and then I... Oh, 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 he's a, oh, he's a lizard. Oh, he's a lizard. Oh, he's a lizard. And then secondly, like... Did the the ending of this get taken out because like creationists were mad because it's the eighties in America or something? No, I because like, the um, the, the one ending of was the... rewritten by the actor who plays uh, Tom Paris because he thought the original ending was rubbish. No, <laughs> yeah. um, no uh, I, but I know it wasn't from a creationist reason because uh, in in research I did a lot of research on this episode because I don't want to talk about it, so I needed something <laughs> to talk about. Um, the I think it was the director or one of the assistant directors. Anyway, one of the ladies quite involved in it. Um, really, really said that like her worst time working on Star Trek was the immediate aftermath of this episode airing, because half of her she was from conservative, a part of America. Um, she did not talk about her um, things, but half of her friends and people that knew her were like you know, angry with her because of the quality of the episode, which, by the way, don't do. Just don't, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Like, don't, you know, not everyone working in TV is personally responsible for everything you don't like about that TV program. Just that is true now as it was then. Um, so, like, I disagree. I shit. think everyone she... involved in the making of this episode should be bullied. <laughs> well, anyway, well, good news, she was. Um, but then the other half of the of her friendship group that um, uh, didn't mind the like quality of the episode were um, attacking her because it had a, a it it didn't acknowledge creationism at all, and they saw. Why it are a... Americans the worst? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God, they're cause... so exhausting. Yeah, like it's just like. Oh my god, no. Like, yeah, so creationists were all like up in her grill because it had evolution in it. Oh, shock. It showed like a really incompetent and inaccurate rendition of science. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there's this comic, I like a webcomic I like to read called Penny Arcade, and one of their funniest. Um, uh, <laughs> one of their funniest uh, comics is. Like a bunch of parents in a like, including the author's avatar, um, in in a classroom, as uh, this science teacher goes. Uh, so we will be tackling evolution um, this term, but I won't be dealing with what is right over creationism and evolution. Just to reassure you, and then like the next panel is uh, the author's avatar with his hand up, and the teacher goes, "Yes." So, well, fucking could you? Because like this is a school and a science class. <laughs> 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 oh god is penny arcade was penny arcade responsible for loss loss uh i don't know they're they're uh they're mostly a video yes game. it was oh. thank you that's all i needed to know yeah um they did uh they 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 do they they run the child's play charity as well um which is quite a good charity um, but this is getting sidetracked again into something better than this episode, which I'm determined that we don't do too much, um, even though we do it all the fucking time. Um, I'm sorry, I take it back. Sorry to disparage Penny Arcade, which is like obviously an amazing classic, long-running comic. No, they crit- they also hate loss. That's fine. Okay, 
cool. Sorry. Um, but uh, I, I'm sure this podcast has a long history for noting that United Earth only ever uses Americans as its flight pioneers <laughs> and other things. It's like oh, Neil yeah, Armstrong. That me off. That pissed me off. I'm like, what about Yuri Gagarin? What yeah. about Yuri Gagarin? Why was the first man on the moon? Why is that more significant than the first man to enter orbit and orbit the Earth? Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. And what I'm about gonna... the first person to get to Mars? Like. Like, I am going to order you a hoodie that says right, what about Yuri Gagarin on it, because I feel like it's it's swiftly becoming a catchphrase of this podcast. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> really going, like, what about this person? What Why about are the you ignoring Russians? them? Look, yeah. they've had their day. They've had their day. Like Dimitri Rogzin is just a like an online troll now. That's basically his job. <laughs> but like back in the day, the Soviets were kicking ass with the spaceflight program, okay? Yeah. Honestly, Americans need to learn basic history. They can only learn American history, which proves they only have the capacity for about 200 years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah, oh, we, we've been the... doing a lot of shitting on Americans. Um, and Look, we will we've, got at least, uh, we've got at least 9% of our listeners in America. So to you guys, <laughs> hey. <laughs> Look, it's, like it's a you. national pastime. It's like them or the French, okay? Yeah. And today, Tom Paris is American, so I'm taking it out on America. Yeah, but his surname whole... is Paris. Oh, it works. <laughs> Double like whammy! The, of the two worst things. Have <laughs> either of you ever watched uh, Citation Needed? Uh, no. No. It's a. It's this. It's quite a good series where. Um, the host um, picks a random Wikipedia article and the other members of the panel, by him asking sort of leading questions, have to guess what the, the thing is about. Like the oh, that's a great title. idea. Yeah. Um, but they they have uh, a recurring joke, which is uh, the uh, wheel spins and lands on France, which is the wheel of nationalities they're insulting. But the wheel <laughs> is just it's just ninety percent France with one section that says Germany. Uh, <laughs> we should we should have a wheel with characters from Star Trek in it, and it's like ninety percent of the wheel is Tom Paris, and then the other ten percent is Neelix. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I do like need to clarify that my hatred for. A- just this me complaining about american stuff basically just exists with media because like every american that i've actually met in real life has been so lovely i'm like (laughs) why are all of you on television terrible (laughs) you're all so nice in real life i know i mean who would you say is the best character in this episode apart from the doctor because we already established that he's the best character in this but like into, uh, either Chakotay. the one that you I, I enjoyed. Think puts in like an, an understated character award. This because he he gets like a lot of shit done in the. In yeah, the I, I suppose in on this podcast, out of all of the Voyager we've watched, we've never really watched anything that's got a lot of Chakotay in it. So we we don't really. No, because unfortunately, really a lot of his it. episodes are racist. Uh, yeah. Lasai. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I feel and and. As a flip side to that question as well, who do you feel is the most underused character in this episode? Because I feel like... Presumably I, I... it's the guy with the hedgehog on his head that the spy is talking to over the intercom, <laughs> right? I Whoever mean, presumably that comes back in, a, in later in the series. Like, presumably that's part of a longer story arc where this guy's feeding information to the Kazon or oh, something. Oh, yes, but Retic. Like... Yeah, Retic the Kazon. Yes, he does come back, apparently. They find out that he's a spy, but I don't know if it's important. 
<laughs> I love the idea that they've just put that in randomly for no reason. Like some fucking troll writer who's like, yeah, I'm just going to tease everyone and make them think that there's going to be this plot line about this guy. And it turns out that it's like just never, nothing ever happens out of it. I don't know why Retic looks like he's got loads of um, um, elm leaves instead of <laughs> hair, but he's well, quite handsome. For a Klingon, yeah. The, he's not the... a Klingon. He's a Kazon. Oh right, I thought he was. A Sorry, Klingon. you've no, you've no, mistaken no, him for the other bumpy head alien. <laughs> I, look, all, all the Star Trek aliens look the same, right? <laughs> all the Call bumpy me a racist, head alien. Right? Call me a racist, but all aliens in Star Trek look at me, it, dis- indecipherable from each other. I couldn't Hello, tell the difference. Captain, I, I, am, I am an alien race not based on a specific human ethnicity, but it still feels kind of iffy. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah the case on like, there's like definitely some racial overtones with just how it's like there's... I don't know. They're just like they were portrayed as like, look how savage and aggressive they are. Blah blah. blah. Yeah. Oh, they all seem to have hair that's more kind of like Afro hair rather than mm. European style hair. That's their only defining feature, Wh- apart from their darker skin and also their bumpy foreheads. All right, here's a question then: Wh- Which alien species from Star Trek is the least racist? The dog with the dealy boppers. I mean, that's obvious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the space dog is fairly inoffensive. I think tribbles. Tribbles aren't racist. Your yeah. triple would never. I can't. I, I keep getting. Uh, I keep. I, I'm sorry, listeners, that we haven't done trouble with tribbles yet because I keep getting people asking me when we're going to do it, and we will do it eventually. But we might save it for like episode fifty or something like that. But uh, <laughs> we will get to it eventually. That's not that far off. Well, if you want to do crossoveries, so like we could do. What episode is this now? This is episode uh, we forty three. I think forty three. Okay. Um, if we do, if you if you wanted to do the run, I think I can make I think I can make this work. So, if you wanted to do the run of episodes where there is crossover next, like mm-hmm. old characters and stuff, we could do episode forty nine. Mm. There's a D, the DS nine anniversary episode is the DS9 characters visiting that episode of TOS and it's it's, it's roundly yes, thought to be I'd be very down to do that. Yeah, yeah that, that sounds but, good. But I don't know which order we should do it in, whether we should do the DS9 or the original one first. But um, but we should watch those two episodes together. For yeah. I agree. Reasons. Okay. I still have some more things to complain about for Threshold. Go on then. Yeah, we've, we've so, got a little bit of time left, so let's have just, a full you know, on We've got to fully complain. Um, so... Just how awful Tom is when Janeway comes to see him and he's started his lizard transformation and his like face is peeling off. And then he's like, you're trying to take this away from me. Part of you will be glad to see me gone. And Janeway, <laughs> like bless her soul, is like genuinely trying to be empathetic and, and talk him down, you know, like he's a tantruming mm. child. She's trying to contain his insecurities and emotions being like, we're all rooting for you, Tom. Like we're all on your side. I'm like... This is not how professionals would respond in this situation. Like, that is the kind (laughs) of interaction you have with a teenager that's kicking off, right? If my lieutenant started speaking to me that way, like, basically trying to attack me and being like, you're just jealous, I'd be like, mate, you're fired. Like, just just fire him. Like, it's completely... Anyway, it's just unbearable. And then I, I don't know what the writer was thinking when he 
wrote Tom in this way in this episode. And then when he's later on thinks that he's dying on the bed and the EMH is trying to zap his brain or whatever to make him come back. And he starts talking about how he spent all of his childhood in his bedroom, like, alone crying all the time. And then he's talking about, oh, but I liked it in my bedroom. What? Where you used to cry all the time? Oh, I lost my virginity in my bedroom. Like, who? To what? Your pet teddy? Like, To be fair, that's the first time that I felt any kind of, uh, like... (laughs) A, any kind of kinship with Tom Paris, <laughs> I, I I felt like I really resonated with me when he was talking about crying in his bedroom and being on his own all the time. I'm just like and I don't understand. Is this supposed to make him a a likable character? A, a character yeah, because it really doesn't do that. Empathise with it, it, he's just he's so unpleasant. He's really bad. He's like so there's unpleasant. that there's that bit where he thinks he's gonna die and so he asks the um I forgot Kez, my name, but he asks yeah, Kez he, he, to kiss he him. He asks Kez to come and kiss Ugh. him. And and like it's like such a gross like kinda is that meant to be like some endearing thing, like part of his character trait where he's like, Oh, he's this roguish guy, he's always well, he's trying to get one 90s, last romp before he was. goes away or whatever. But it's not, it's just like Oh God! Like it didn't. It wouldn't have yeah, surprised like, me if he was oh, faking gonna, the entire. I may thing. be on my deathbed, but I'm still gonna go out sexually harassing the women. Eh, yeah. Eh, eh. <laughs> yeah, like it. I, it wouldn't have surprised me at that point if he'd been faking the entire mutating into a lizard also, thing like, just to just to get off with Kez. The, oh. the, the mutating lizard scenes. They just go on for so long, and yeah, I really so struggled to differentiate them when I was writing the like so <laughs> summary. And that's a real bad sign. Like, if you're actively trying to explain the plot in a in detail, like like I do, and I cannot find a way to describe how this yeah. scene is meaningfully different from the last one, then like, because I because like it would be a fair cop to say to me that I skipped over a lot of the middle of this episode because I just couldn't find a way to be like, this is important. Because, like, a little yeah. bit under the hood here, when, I, when I'm when i making these plot summaries, I'm balancing three things. Getting the episode plot points down so that listeners that haven't watched the episode at all or recently know what's going on. Um, making sure I pick up on things, plot elements that I think are likely that you two or I know that I want to talk about. You know, they might not seem significant, but I know that we will mm. make jokes about them and being reasonably entertaining. Um, you know, because I don't always prioritise that when I'm on this <laughs> podcast, so I've got to do it at some point. Um, but like, uh, so, like, it's, it's very hard when a scene doesn't get on to one of my bullet points in some degree because if it doesn't have something that is entertaining to talk about some plot relevance or something that i think we're going to highlight in a discussion of the episode it is failing as a scene and this episode by far has the most failing as a scene like it it, this is probably the only plot summary i've really struggled with and not enjoyed writing yeah like and that really is Damning. <laughs> yeah, like I'd go as far as to say that I think that Sub Rosa, which is universally agreed to be one of the worst episodes shit. ever, is, yeah, it's universally agreed to be shit. I'd say that Sub Rosa is like Citizen Kane compared to this in terms of writing, <laughs> right? Like, it, yeah, it, it, this, we this rank, episode. We should rank all the all right, the okay, stuff we watched. I, I... 
Um, we should do a ranking, yeah. How every... I'm just thinking, like, why is episode so bad, right? Because I was just thinking how other Star Trek series would have approached the same episode to do it better. You know, if this had been an episode of TNG, we would have got that really in-depth character, like, dynamics, like Picard versus maybe Riker trying to do this mission, and they would have had lots of conflict, and it would have been all about their emotional tension and, and you know, talking or, about their feelings. Or, and it would Or have... Data being like, um, I don't understand this human drive to, like, be responsible for all of it. And yeah, trying yeah. to like get behind the like feeling of in- of advancement. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. if it had been or Beth Crusher having been... sex with the with the lizard man. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Well, if it had been if it had been Discovery, like Paul would have slowly turned into a really salty salamander, and it would have been like really dramatic because he's like oozing his way around Discovery, and it's like putting strain on his marriage with Hugh because he's like dropping slime in the toothpaste, and then Giorgio and Michael would have had to go and yeah, Giorgio and Michael would have had to go and like blow up a planet to find the cure, and it would have been really exciting and dramatic and weird and funny at the same time and then if TOS had done it it would have just been a guy in a in like a full bodysuit holding like a silicon like a silicon curtain over his head and like crawling <laughs> around the Enterprise going Eah. and then there would have been scenes of like the sexy ensign getting eaten by the lizard by like screaming and slowly disappearing under the curtain but you can still see people's legs poking out and it would, <laughs> you know, it would have been, the comedy value would have been hysterical with, yeah. with, Kirk, with Kirk standing there being like Oh, I don't know how I'm gonna log this. Yeah, and sexy and music even comes in on. Enterprise, even in Enterprise, Trip and Topol could have become the lizards, and then at least we would have wanted them to shag, right? <laughs> but in Voyager, in and Voyager, deep... everything about it was bad. Yeah, it was deep, space, funny. deep Space Nine would have done one of their better episodes about like the 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 threshold the questions would have been, of morality. Like, morality, yeah, it would have been yeah. like you know. This will this will instantly let us kill all the Dominion, but should we have exactly. a ma- weapon of mass destruction? Like that's what it would have been. Janeway like, even yeah. mentions that. Everyone in the, else, in the every of the other episode. series could do this episode with at least a point or something funny about yeah. it. God, I'm Janeway pissed even, off now, Maddie. Janeway <laughs> even mentions that in the middle of the episode, she kind of looks up and she's like, says to Bilana, like, "This could change everything. This could change." the entire way that we exist. And I'm like, whoa, is this going to turn into a, like, Janeway goes evil episode where she's like, we can now use this technology to, like, get our way home and blah, blah, blah. Are they going to have, like, existential talks about the meaning of this technology? Oh, no, she's just going to turn into a salamander. (laughs) (laughs) Every other series would have done this episode better. I I called it Kafkaesque at the start in a bit of a joke, but, like... It is like Kafka. It's Kafkaesque if Kafka was rubbish at what he did. Like it's it's right. Can we? Yeah. Can, can we, we finish? Yeah. <laughs> like can we? I I wanna. If we're gonna do the run of uh, episodes that um that cross over with something. Yeah. Can I suggest a pet episode of mine? I know it's good. Let's do relics from TNG. Okay, yeah, we haven't done a TNG in a little while anyway. Yeah, so, I, like... I, I'm thinking relics. Then we'll do that t- just so that we have a break from Voyager more than anything. So there's, there's yeah. a, there's, we'll, we'll do relics. Then maybe the Voyager one, um, maybe yeah. like something from Discovery <laughs> where there's some crossover, and then, and then we'll do the DS9 and Trouble with Dribbles around 49 and 50. Cool. I, I would just like excellent. to point out, I, I know I said that we haven't done TNG in a while. I'm aware that the last episode we did was TNG, but it was so forgettable, I just forgot about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that sounds fine. So next week, we will be looking at uh, 
Relics. What was the episode called? Relics. Relics. We'll be looking at Relics next. So if you want to watch that before next week, you can do. Um, before we finish, we have to ask the important question. Uh, which character in this episode is most likely to have sucked their own cock? Uh, I mean, it's so tempting to say Tom Paris. Uh, We've I already think... said him every Voyager episode, though. So I don't yeah. think we're allowed. But R- Retic th- the Kazon. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think either Retic the Kazon or the little Salamander. spy guy. Little smi- oh, the spy, the spy guy, the spy prick. He 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 Marcus seems slimy something. and creepy and awful. I yeah. reckon he would have done. He's um, got a I receding also... hairline that makes him suspicious to me. Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, I find I find that offensive on behalf of people <laughs> with receding hairlines. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but... I, I also Christopher Eggleston has a very receding hairline, and I love him. So <laughs> you can be like him and not like Marcus yes. the spy guy who sucks <laughs> his own dick. Well, uh, and, uh, but I do also just on the subject of uh, sort of weird sexual uh, peccadilloes in this episode. I do want to know what it was that made Neelix's coffee taste so disgusting. Um, <laughs> oh, he's allergic to water. They mentioned that. He's oh, right, yeah. allergic to water. I thought like... Jake was making a joke and Nathan just scienced it out of ex- yeah, existence. But that, I but really what, like what, that. If there's, a, if there's ever, <laughs> look, can we can we put that can we put that in the awards folder, please? The because uh, that the, if there's anything that's uh, like a microcosm of what this show is, it's me trying to make a joke and then Nathan sciencing it away. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I can't help it. Like you know. I, I'm not good at real science, but Star Trek science, I can't explain. Like, like well, as soon as they said the warp 10 barrier, I was like, I'm down. I know what that is. That is in TNG, you can't go faster than warp 10, because that's what the scale is. It's one to I 10. think the salamanders suck their own dicks, though. I don't know if salamanders have penises. I'm going to Google this right now. Well, presumably they do, because they had sex. So, like. Penises. Don't be so reductive, Jake. You can have sex without a penis. They of course, have, sorry, that is true. Have Internal fertilization. The male is placed in front of the female and releases sperm packages, which are then like just, you know, absorbed up inside the female. So it's just like, you know, it's like fish, you know, like fish lay eggs. Like the lady fish lays a bunch of eggs and then like the male fish comes along and like jizzes all over them like (laughs) to fertilize them. Salamanders are like that. Like a sort of weird egg facial. So do you think like Janeway was there like... They don't shit the eggs out. I want. want, um, If I if I if I ever use if I ever have my phone on um, not on silent like a civilized like an uncivilized person. Um, I I want um, Maddie's impression of of a fish jizzing to be my text tone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that seems like a good enough point to end it. (laughs) If if you want to listen. You shouldn't say out loud. <laughs> <laughs> discharging again. I've <laughs> got think... a dishonourable discharge. <laughs> I know, yeah, Janeway gave <laughs> Tom Paris a commendation at the end of the episode. Was it for dishonourably discharging all over her eggs? <laughs> oh, right, look, we're going to leave before this gets illegal. <laughs> If you want to, if you want to contact us, you can get to us on social media at RedshirtsCast on Twitter and Instagram, or send us an email RedshirtsCast at gmail dot com. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, to discuss uh, that episode that we've already talked about that I've already forgotten the name of Relics. Uh, and uh, and other than that, all that's left to say is live long and prosper and goodbye.
Goodbye. Oh. Salamander.